Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So, yeah, welcome everybody um, online. Um, we have about 14 people online and about seven, eight of us in person here. Um, yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, so that we talked today about um, the eight verses of thought transformation. And um, I'm actually going to hand out in person, I brought some, I brought the verses with me, and then I'm going to type them in to, um, into the chat, so we can be on the same page. So just give me a moment, if you're online, give me a moment, I'm just going to hand these out, if you guys don't mind, there you go, and then, yeah, put these in here, it might take a couple copy and pastes, I don't know if it's all going to fit. All right. Yeah. So yeah, I really, I really enjoy these, these eight verses of God transformation. These are seen primarily in the Vajrayana practices and, you know, in the Tibetan, uh, in Tibetan Buddhism, they speak of, of, of these quite a bit and the energy around them. And I was first introduced, um, have you ever been to Lana Medicine Buddha? I see a couple of people here that have been there. Uh, there is, is a trail, Atlanta Medicine Buddha, which is a Tibetan center in Santa Cruz. Uh, well, I happened to live for a couple of years. And there's a trail, a really beautiful trail through the redwoods. And it's called the Eight Versus Trail. And that's probably the first time that I was introduced to them is walking on this trail. And then they have the eight verses set up and you could sit on a bench and meditate on on one of the verses. And, you know, I'd come from actually from a different tradition. And I remember sitting and reading these these uh, verses and I found them kind of odd, to be honest, some of them. Uh, and I thought, why would you want to uh, do such a thing? Like, for example, uh, number five, like when out of envy others mistreat me with abuse, insults or the like, I shall accept defeat and offer the victory to others. <laughs> and it's like, wow, that's pretty intense, you know, pretty intense heart practice. And, you know, I can kind of see this and, and see the kindness and compassion in it. But it was also a little bit of like extreme compassion, if you will, you know. So, yeah, I remember sitting with them and, and then, you know, after, after a while getting, you know, different perspectives and, I think it's much like the teaching of emptiness on the prajna side, the wisdom side of things. Emptiness seems kind of like extreme in a way, like extreme uh, wisdom, you know, to see things just as they are. So it's kind of non-dualistic. It's, it's a different perspective than kind of a worldly outlook. And some of these things, as far as the heart practices go, are kind of like extreme compassion, extreme kindness. So, so it's helpful to actually talk about them and to see what kind of perspective what they're leading leading to. And I think the most important aspect is that 
these are not really of the world. Like there is a different way to know and to be. And I didn't experience this this week that kind of, you know, um, is helpful, I think, in in this um in this way. And I was working with with a client, um, a one-on-one client. And he reminded me of something that I had forgotten about. Uh, he was telling me about a meditation that he was following. So it was a guided meditation. And in the guided meditation, they were inviting him to move back into the observer, right? So notice what's arising. Notice that there's a knower of what's arising, an observer. And oftentimes we'll call this like a neutral observer which of course the observer of what is arising is automatically neutral, right? Just watching, just looking. And as he was describing this to me, he started to use words, which we all do and we have to do. And he was talking about like space. He's like, yeah, I started to notice that there was like this space between like myself and, and the object arising. And he started to describe like a shape, you know, like, Maybe like I was kind of like in an an orb, if you will, and then this and that. And and this is what we do. And I remember myself doing the same thing where I was relating something non-conceptual and I was putting that into the framework of a linear, dualistic, three-dimensional like reality, right? Something that was actually non-conceptual, but it's what the mind does. The mind wants to actually construct something. So let's say in this instance, which is more on the wisdom side, right? We're noticing the observer, but then as the mind notices something, it constructs something. So it's constructing something that's actually uncontrived, right? So I invited him. I said, you know, one way to do this is, is to look like there's nothing to be found. Right? There's nothing to be found. There's nothing. There's no thing to be found. Something can exist without making a thing about it. So we're witnessing something that's present, but without creating anything around it, right? So there's this, uh, it, it's it's not to be put in the box of a worldly something, right? We're not, we don't have to create something around it, right? Now, this type of, this type of noticing and this kind of invitation to notice something that is beyond the mind constructs is actually in here too. It's it's in the verses, actually the final piece of the, which we'll get to in in a little bit, but the eighth verse, uh, may may I, by perceiving all phenomena as illusory, be released from the bondage of attachment. So this is speaking that illusory aspect, speaking to that emptiness, right? So phenomena, let's get, again, we're going to transfer from the wisdom to the kindness side. So phenomena is existing, right? It's existing, but in in a dreamlike way. So we're asking, it's kind of a tall order, you know, to invite ourselves into this concept. It's kind of like a rainbow, right? A rainbow exists. It's a rainbow. There's nothing there, right? It's, It's light, you know, upon mist, right? So there's nothing truly there, truly existing, but we see it as there. So inviting the mind conceptually to to perceive things in this way is, you know, ex- appearing, but not truly existing from their own side. So this is grandiose, right? 
So it's otherworldly. It's an introduction to another way of knowing. And in the same way, some of these, these verses, when we're pointing to compassion and kindness, it's, in, it's inviting us to an otherworldly compassion, otherworldly kindness. So it's not, it's not like, oh, well, uh, you know, in this linear way, if somebody says something to, to, to me, I'm going to stick up for myself. I'm going to do it just like this because of A, B, and C. Of course you are, right? Of course. There's other a worldly compassion that we can hold while we're taking those actions. Now, I was thinking of an analogy, and it might be a very poor one because I just thought of it in the shower this morning as I was getting ready. <laughs> it might be a poor example, but let's go for it. I was thinking like, you know, what if, uh, we're just kind of bring a, a God concept. So I don't know what your version of God is, but let, let's say, let's say there's a God and, you know, she creates, she creates us and in, in all of our glory and she creates us in, in her image. So we're, we're just floating in infiniteness and in eternity and, um, in the unmanifested state. And we're thinking, wow, you know, we're really amazing. But we cannot see how amazing we are. So we decide to become dualistic. So we can we reawaken to our infiniteness. So we become small, right? Because we want to reawaken to our magnificence. And let's say this being, this God, she comes down and she meets us. But she's meeting us in, in, in delusion because we've forgotten how amazing we are. And we're acting out of that ignorance. We're acting out of that delusion. We're acting out of that separateness, thinking we're separate, thinking we're small, so small. We've, we're believing our story, right? And it doesn't matter how we act to her. She sees our magnificence and our beauty just as we are, truly are, Right? So we could say these things to her and this and that, but she's not believing them. She has nothing but kindness and compassion because she sees us just as we are. And again, so, you know, as her, as that godliness, as that godliness, as that Buddha nature within, this is how we're moving through the world as like a bodhisattva. Like these verses are like, how can we move through the world in this magnificence of our true self. And again, just like that open awareness that's unfettered, innately there, uncontrived, unconstructed, this type of otherworldly kindness and compassion is lying in wait for us to discover it, to rest within it, to know it as self, right? It's just here. But and again, watch how the mind will make it make stuff up. <laughs> Try to put it into this world of good and bad and yeah, but me, what about? And you know, self-cherishing and it'll put them on all these little boxes and put each other in little boxes. But what about them? What about me? What do I get? All of that. Right. So so hopefully, yeah, I think this, you know, these teachings, at least for me, kind of you know, it's really helpful to have a foundation of the energy in which they're inviting us to experience, right, as we go along. Okay, 
so yeah, we'll just unpack these, you know, just, just one at a time as we go along and then we'll go be able to go in smaller groups and kind of discuss them as well. So the first one, um, determined to obtain the greatest possible benefit from all sentient beings who are more precious than a wish-fulfilling jewel. I shall hold them most dear at all times. So it's kind of interesting. So here we have determined to obtain the greatest possible benefit from all sentient beings. Like you're trying to benefit from all sentient beings. Um, actually, this is speaking to kind of what we be, we began with this this morning, which is we're better together. This is pointing to the fact that I'm only one being. If I say I want to attain enlightenment just for myself, or I'm going to do something just for myself, this is very limited capacity thinking, right? But if I think in terms of all seeing team beings and then we're all in it together and it's for everyone, all, all with all that motivation, then it becomes very juicy, like karmically too, because everybody is on our side. If we have an attention that says, I want to attain this for myself, or if I want to attain this for the benefit of all beings, you know, then we're all doing it together, right? And if it's wholesome and it's really to be a benefit for others, then we we can gather all of that that energy, right? So um I saw a chat there, but I don't be oh nine. I don't know what that means. Um yeah, so this is this is what that's pointing to. Determined to obtain the greatest possible benefit from all sentient beings who are more precious than a wish for filling jewel, I shall hold them most dear at all times. So this is really moving to the into the bodhisattva vow. So really pointing to the bodhisattva vow. May I attain enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. When in the company of others, I shall always consider myself the lowest of all, and from the depths of my heart hold others dear and supreme. So there's a difference between like, you know, prideful, like being prideful in and having confidence. So, you know, obviously here people like, wow, you know, I'm the lowest <laughs> in the whole room. And again, it's kind of, we're taught to like build up confidence and, and, and all of that. And of course, like, this is what I'm saying. Like, of course you hold yourself with esteem and you have confidence and, and all of this stuff. Right. And so often this can turn into pridefulness or selfishness or whatnot. And again, I really the invitation not to put this in worldly terms, right? But what is it like to sit within the energy of wishing the best for others in the room? How does that feel? Have you ever have you ever been in a situation and somebody like drops something or you could tell they need help of some kind and your and your heart leaps with empathy and it wants to go and it wants to help you know it wants to move into some kind of assistance like putting putting your heart in this way where I am of like I really like to think in this and for this one like I'm here to be of service right I'm not like lower like higher in a hierarchy or something like this but in a, in a sense of humility i'm here to be of service right to hold to hold that space in my heart you know to be of service 
The third one, vigilant, the moment a delusion appears in my mind, endangering myself and others, I shall confront and avert it without delay. You'll see this, a lot of these teachings, they overlap with wisdom and compassion. And of course, you know, the Tibetan traditions, they usually say heart-mind all at once. If you ask a Tibetan to point to their mind, they point to their heart, right? So this is speaking directly to mindfulness, to you know, that first of the seven factors of awakening. And also it merges with, with compassion and you know, self-compassion and kindness. Whenever we're vigilant, remember vigilance is also another words for mindfulness as a factor of mind. Concentration holds the mind down on an object. Mindfulness is the vigilance that is always wondering, where am I? Am I on the object or did I leave it? Mindfulness as a factor of mind goes and retrieves the mind back and brings us back, right? It's also sati, you know, to remember. It's a word for mindfulness in Pali. It's also that vigilance. So you hear that word vigilance, it's usually pointing directly to mindfulness. Vigilant, the moment a delusion appears in my mind, what's delusion? We forgot we're one, right? We forgot that we're not separate. We forgot that we're love abiding. We forgot that things appear but are not truly existent, right? So this is delusion. The moment delusion appears in my mind, endangering myself and others this is usually endangering means like it's unwholesome it's moving through it's not like endangering like like physical harm but it's lack of love and kindness i shall confront be with it avert it without delay i love listening to this as an act of kindness right Mindfulness of mind, the third foundation of, of mindfulness, mindfulness of body, mindfulness of emotion, mindfulness of mental formations, nipping in the bud, noticing it, redirecting it, moving back into the heart. I shall confront and avert it without delay. Thoughts leads to words, leads to action. That's a beautiful reminder. Hey, Casey, I had a question. Sure. Um, it was, can you hear me? I can. Yeah. Um, I, I was uh, questioning the fact that it says to avert it. I thought that there was a, there was a, um, a non-aversion, non-attachment situation going on with the Buddha. Was that, so if it's saying to avert it. Yeah, that's a great question. Yes, yes. Sometimes, you know, the terminology, you know, sometimes it can get um, a bit confusing, actually. You know, so uh, advert it in this way. For one, it's important to note that, you know, with no attachment, no aversion doesn't mean non-action. You know, it's more like a pause. So in other words, we see things just as they are before we, we react to our reaction of that. Right. So something is appearing. So no attachment, no aversion, which means it doesn't mean that there's not going to be an aversion, by the way. It doesn't mean there's not going to be an attachment. <laughs> That's why I like to say your reaction to your reaction. So let's say a thought appears. There's a reaction to that. Let's say it's fear. Noticing the thought, noticing the fear, not judging either one. 
the averting of it is the averting of the following. The averting is is not averting like a pushing, like an aversion. It's averting the following of that. In other words, I could be with you, but not follow you. And so instead of following, let's say fear, we're noticing fear, noticing fear arising, right? Being with it. And now that we're we have fear and the noticer of fear, we have options, right? I, I don't need to follow you. And so this is actually what we call like applied mindfulness. It's dynamic, right? So it's not indifference, right? Applied mindfulness is now in my openness, can I reach into my toolbox of love and wisdom and see how I want to, to move forward, right? So is, does that make sense? Yes, thank you for the explanation. For sure, for sure. And Rick, you had another question there. I don't have a question, but a or, verb is, is a verb and a version is a noun. Mm. So um, a version is, is um, the thing you're avoiding, and averting is to avoid. Yeah. So Rick was talking about the difference between avert and, yeah, aversion. All right, cool. So um, the fourth one, whenever I see beings who are wicked in nature and overwhelmed by violent negative actions and suffering, I shall hold such rare ones dear as if I found a precious treasure. You know, so oftentimes the difficult people will be called precious jewels in Vajrayana practice, um, precious gems. Really, because uh, this is really pointing to the to the fact of like how deep is is our delusion, you know, if our delusion is really seeing them separately, kind of like that story that that I mentioned in the beginning, you know, of this godlike being always seeing our godlike aspects or our Buddha nature, for example, and not falling into delusion. But it also gives us, a, a, you know, a real chance to see what we're holding on to egoically. You know, if people are really pointing to our faults and really pushing our buttons, are we attached to self in a specific way, in a permanent fixed way? In other words, you know, bringing emptiness a little bit back into it. Of course, when I point to Casey, I can't find Casey. Casey's a construct, you know. I point to Casey, I can't find Casey. Casey here, Casey there. Is Casey in my memories? You know, is Casey what I believe? Is Casey the body? Is Casey a feeling tone? When somebody points at you and pushes your buttons, do you have attachment to self? Like what are they harming, right? Who or what are they attacking? Now, again, of course, out of compassion, out of kindness, we could stick up for ourselves and we could we could let them know that this is harmful. And so, again, this is in no way means to become a doormat. It doesn't mean to stick up for what's right. It doesn't mean to act. It's it's how are we acting out of what place? Are we acting out of anger? Are we acting out of kindness? Right. When we're when we're looking into looking into this. Um, also too, 
whenever I see beings who are wicked in nature and overwhelmed by violent negative actions and suffering, you know, I shall hold such rare ones dear. So there's this, there's that aspect of like really looking in as an opportunity for ourselves yeah, to practice. And also to just kind of more in a mundane way, like if people are really suffering and acting out, then, you know, obviously we know that they're in a state of harm, right? So in other words, things are not going so well um, that they need they need some assistance and just to hold on to that. Like people who are in good situations, positive things that are happening uh, to, to them in the world, they don't act out, right? So they need they need kindness more than more than ever, right? So we spoke a little bit about the the fifth one, and they kind of go they kind of go hand in hand in a way. When out of envy, others mistreat me with abuse, insults, or the like, I shall accept defeat and offer the victory to others. Um, yeah, you know, just moving into that into that selfless nature of of mind. Holding them dear. Uh, the sixth one, when someone whom I have benefited uh, and in whom I have great hopes gives me terrible harm, I shall regard that person as my holy guru. So number six is really pointing another to, to the wisdom pieces. Um, a lot of times when we act, there's this idea that it's reciprocal or it's going to land in some way. So if you if you tell somebody something, maybe you you tell somebody I'm sorry, you know, like I I'm sorry I hurt you and this and that, and you're like, wow, I'm really being the bigger person here. They're gonna really enjoy this apology and this and that. <laughs> They're gonna be so thankful. And then because of the wisdom pieces, just how things are. We don't know how they're going to land. This human is interdependently arising. It's like they're, they're a manifestation of many different factors. They're impermanent. They're shifting and changing, right? So this is land is very complex, right? How things arise and how things land and all of this stuff. So when we're giving in, in you know, in compassion, it's within the realm of wisdom. It's in the realm our kindness and our compassion has to work in the realm of interdependence, impermanence, interdependence, lots of different factors. People are complicated, <laughs> right? Very complicated. Things are complicated. And they're unknowns. Everything is changing every moment. What a puzzle piece that is. Everything is changing every moment. And so we're just holding on to, oh, I could just, you know, it's so simple, actually. Like, oh, I'm just going to rest in love. I can't really control that much. You know, I'm just going to rest in love, rest in kindness. You know, I think I brought this up a couple weeks ago when I came because I follow, I follow this Instagram account that's about, like, uh, space and stars and all that stuff. And so I saw another image that made me think of this this week where these amazing telescopes they have now in space and there's just, you know, trillions and trillions of stars and this and that. And there was these like light rays coming down in space. There's like these little hues of light 
and there's a, and the stars just look at like little dust particles and and there's just like this tiny 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 of course little tiny 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 little dot and this arrow said this is earth you know you just a floating dust particle in a light beam that's it that's it and of course that just keeps going you know and so and e even all of that stuff is changing every moment everything on earth every particle phenomena is changing not much to control everything's okay like just come into the heart you know it's like something in a way that it's very simple very pure like i could just man it's not that important <laughs> it's not that important you know just come into the heart come into that simplicity of kindness you know was pointing to the wisdom of that seven in short both directly and indirectly i offer every happiness and benefit to all my mothers i shall secretly take upon myself all their harmful actions and suffering so this is actually a quite a little a bit deep verse which we could do a whole talk on this verse actually because it's pointing to do to do very profound practices actually like techniques the first one's called seven point cause and effect method where we we conjure up the idea that it's possible that all beings have been our mothers in the past um it kind of takes a little bit of like um belief you know but i find it a very powerful practice that hey we've been swimming in the same consciousness together for countless eons possibly and it is possible that all beings have been our mother in the past. And so we cultivate the heart of that thought. Like even the ant, you know, it's like, oh, mother sentient being, thank you so much. You've been so kind to me in the past, right? And, you know, from this place of, of kind of heart connection, we really feel into that and want to repay that kindness, repay that compassion and actually attain enlightenment, you know, to, to assist all these beautiful mother sentient beings. So that first line is pointing to that practice uh, for every happiness and benefit to all my mothers. And then the second piece of that, I shall secretly take upon myself all their harmful actions and suffering is pointing to another beautiful deep practice uh, called Tong Lin, where we're like literally, you know, figuratively and taking in but through a, a technique taking in the harm and the suffering of other beings transforming that that harm with kindness and compassion and then giving that like through like an alchemy of sorts you know giving that back to them but transformed into light and, and happiness so yeah two beautiful practices um actual techniques that we could do and then the, the final one, before we go into to smaller groups, um, undefiled by the stains of the superstitious of the eight worldly concerns, the eight worldly concerns are happiness, praise, fame, gain, and the opposites. So this is usually kind of how we, in, again, in that linear way, we're going after pursuing these things and avoiding the opposites, you know undefiled by the stains of the superstitions of the eight worldly concerns may i by perceiving all phenomena as illusory be released from the bondage of attachment 
right? By seeing things as appearing, but not existing from their own side, can I be relieved from the bonds of attachment? And, and again, we see the co-emergence here, the co-emerging of wisdom and compassion. You know, can I just be okay with beingness? I see, I see these beings manifesting, maybe in an in a way angry, <laughs> or maybe in a way this or that, but just can I hold them in my heart of kindness and compassion? And what I'll kind of end with, and, to, and we go into smaller groups, is that this is called the eight verses of thought transformation. Sometimes there's a lot of emphasis on kind of out there energy or changing people or changing things or how this works within a situation. Actually, the experiment here is how does love and kindness and compassion help with our own peacefulness of mind? This is an inward journey, an inward experience, uh, experimentation. When we act in this way, and again, we're kind of just tapping into something that's innately there. Like, how does this feel on the inside? For us, not about making our life better or anything like this. If we move through the world in this way, like, how does this feel? How does this feel? Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to go into smaller groups and, you know, we have access to them. Does, does anyone know if I put you in smaller groups online, can you still read? Can you still read the chat? I forget. Nobody knows? I think so, but I, I forget as well. Okay. Well, soon find out. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and just maybe see um, which ones, you know, land for you. Um, and any any thoughts that kind of came up for you that really hit home as we go into smaller groups. So hang on just a moment. If you're like for the online people, maybe I might be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and if you're in person, just go ahead and turn. Yeah. Towards yourselves and just give me a moment here. If you're online. Okay. Welcome back. Everybody. Um, yeah, as usual, if anyone wants to chat about what came up for them in the smaller group with the larger group, that would be great. Yeah, Rick? There's just, a, you know, anything anybody brought up seemed pretty um, relatable. Yeah. The group and um, all these... Um, um, yeah, I don't really have any, may have felt some version initially at, at some of them, but um, I think they all are pretty timely. Yeah, great. Were you guys able to hear that okay? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for your talk. It It is interesting to think of thought transformation you know, it, it's almost like uh, these eight things are dualistic thought to remedy 
our normal self-centered dualistic thought. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe another potential way of dealing with these uh, dualistic thoughts is just to be aware of them and, and let them go. Um, you know, Zen, Zen is more of a relinquish everything. Just notice it, let it go. Notice it, let it go. This is like, notice it and transform it into something positive, which I can see can be very helpful as well. But yeah, I, I, I like, you know, learning about the different lineages of Buddhism because they, they tend to handle things differently, but all are valid and, you know, lead to uh, wisdom. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's just a nice point, you know, of well, seeing different traditions and stuff, almost like these stepping stones or pointers, you know, because I think, you know, you bring up a good point. It's kind of what I was speaking to in the beginning of like, in you know, the Tibetan tradition, like their technique, which is more like Zen-like technique would be the Zogchen, just like resting in true nature of mind, not doing anything to it. Um, and yet, and yet they use these words in, in another part, another stage of the path, they use kind of these words, but they're pointing to not the words. So it's kind of like cart or the horse. Like the only, only way that these words make sense is if you're actually in that place. You know what I mean? But then, the, but then they're putting words to that, you know, like, um, just real, real quick, just, I, I want to give everyone a chance to talk just cause that Brett brought that up. It's like, I always like to use like the examples of Christ on the cross, for example, you know, he's being nailed to a cross. He's being nailed to the cross and he's saying, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That is just otherworldly. It's making any sense, you know, because physiologically the body's in panic and fight, flight, or freeze and fear and all this stuff. And all of that must be going on. And you have Ama, you know, the great hugging saint, like 19 years old, licking maggots out of the wounds of lepers. That is not like of this world with her tongue. It's on film, you know, it's just beyond. Uh, Nelson Mandela, you know, being imprisoned for 20 something years comes into power treats his enemies with kindness compassion equality i mean just like these these amazing examples of otherworldly kindness compassion you know so anyway um yeah from this different place from this different place you know not quite as otherworldly but <laughs> that's fine number, number five yeah, yeah else is treating you you know being abusive or insulting um, you know i can relate to that that you i don't have to personalize that i don't have to identify with that mm. i can accept defeat i can let the other person be the victor mm -hmm. and don't escalate the situation and have it blow up into something that you know it doesn't need to happen it's like i can um you know be um Again, like not personalizing it, not not. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I can connect with that one. I thought that made sense. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. So she's just saying I can connect with that and not, you know, kind of accept that defeat. And I think what what that allows us to do to be able to accept it is then act out of a place of wisdom, like I mentioned. Because if like we only have one reaction, which is screw you, I'm right, you're wrong, then we're kind of stuck. Like that might be the right reaction. 
out of kindness, that might be a good reaction. Like, honey, I think you're a little bit off here. <laughs> out of kindness or something, whatever it might look like. But see, we're just so stuck. If we just come from, from attachment to self and attachment to an emotion, then we're really stuck. We're not free. We're not liberated. We're not wise. We're not in control of our actions. We might do something we regret. You know, this is not really a wise place to move from. Right. Yeah. Yes. So funny that I joined today. Hi, Casey. Hey. Hi, Sangha. Um, because I love the place that you introduced me to, Miranda Medicine Buddha. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about how all of the verses are really about, I mean, for me, when I read them, and with the word that you just said um, is about liberation really and if we get it's like out of like what anthony was saying with the non-dual space and in feeling like there needs to be this protection of this false identity that we were like protect via self-comparison and all of this social comparison um there's freedom mm -hmm. you know and then you know don and I, it was a really great conversation because we thought that he if, the, if it's okay don you know, pointed to the fact that we have all these causes and conditions for the comparison that we do, but that if we're able to then, you know, use these verses as those things come up, it creates a lot more spaciousness and maybe even humor like, oh, there's that, <laughs> there's that thing. But there's also see the, the, the nature of it, the, the, the less static quality of it. Mm -hmm. so it has less of an impact yeah and then for you like you're you're in the activism world too you know and and you know how did these land for you like in that activism world where there is a lot of like you know action to be taken but also like out of compassion like because I, I think you hold that very beautifully like when I've talked to you about that type of thing and 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 all of that yeah thank you I did think about activism. I thought about how oftentimes, not from a judging place, I understand it, there becomes this, I mean, really the uh, hate on the side of activism, definitely a, a, a fire energy. And, a, and I don't believe that that, you know, creates the change that we're like, we're all hoping for. Mm -hmm. at the same time i understand it mm -hmm. um so yeah if we have that space and that lessening of that response towards what we view as evil or um <clears throat> like i entirely agree that it uh, allows it doesn't even have to be a long space but it allows the the most skillful action the most loving action to come more naturally you know then that automatic response. Yeah. Thank you. And one that's going to create a more sustainable change. Mm. I like that. So, thanks for bringing that in. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So um, let's just sit. Uh, we're almost at that time. So sit. Let's just dedicate you know, the merit, kind of going back into that non-dualistic, kind of that place that 
that Anthony was kind of speaking to of you know, just this openness that noticing what is arising not non-clinging like non-attachment non-clinging we could really meet ourselves here if i meet if i try to meet you within the constructs of my mind maybe through opinion or a like or a dislike well, there's eight billion of those the only way we could really meet each other is if we let go Come into the heart. And from this place, wishing all beings happiness. We're not free until all beings are free. And dedicating the merit, any goodness, any wholesomeness, any insights, any kindness, any any generosity, any wholesome quality that has arisen within yourself and collectively in this group today. May we offer it up to all beings. May all of the hearts and minds of all beings being transformed into kindness, compassion, love. Thank you all again so much for coming out. It's just, I'm so grateful for us to support each other in this way, especially summertime, lots of stuff going on, lots of opportunity to do a bunch of stuff outside and all that. So thank you very, very much uh, for coming together. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.